This is the Hans Shot First Podcast. They don't know it, I'm telling you. We'll be talking in-depth about common movie moments from my dead body. With the mix of all things pop culture along the way. Yeah, all Scott. Okay. Welcome everyone to Han Shot First. I'm Jeff. Joining me as usual are Scott and Alex. Say hello, guys. Hey. Hello. And we have a special guest today, Wade. Say hello, Wade. Hey, everybody. It's me, Wade. <laughs> <laughs> That's Wade. <laughs> hey, Wade. Remember me? <laughs> That's our Wade. <laughs> All right. So today we're going to be talking about the ending of Assassin's Creed. Apparently. Um, so Alex, take it away. Well, it's uh, Assassin's Creed 2, and it's not quite the ending, but oh. it is like the climactic scene. So I beat the game for nothing? <laughs> That's right. All right. Assassin's Creed 1 kind of sucks. It really sucks. Completely sucks. Anyway. So you recommend it? Oh, absolutely. The For anybody out there that hasn't played Assassin's Creed, the Assassin's Creed series, it's very Inception-y because uh, you play Desmond, who is in the not-so-distant future, but they hook him up into this machine that can somehow unlock memories within your DNA so you can re- <laughs> <laughs> so you can sorry <laughs> relive like uh your ancestors you can see what they saw so in the first game you play Desmond and he's looking through Altair Ears eyes who is in like right after the Christ times pretty much or during the crusades sorry that's not at all close yeah <laughs> And in the second game, it's Desmond again, and he is looking through the eyes of Ezio, who is in Italy during the, like the Renaissance, like the beginning of the Renaissance. So, it's a me, Ezio. <laughs> there is actually a part because Ezio's uncle is Mario, and he says it exactly like that <laughs> when you first meet him. <laughs> I know that's why I said it. Oh, really? Did you know that? Yes. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> so. You uh, play through the whole game, almost the whole game, and then you get to what's supposed to be, like, the vault. The the thing that Ezio is supposed to be trying to open, like, this whole time. And you get in there, and there's all sorts of uh, glowy, sciencey bits all over the place, like, stuff that's very technologically advanced. And then this hologram pops up of this lady in an elaborate gown, and... Does she call you Master Chief? <laughs> no. Uh-oh. She calls uh, Ezio the Prophet. Yeah, I guess there was some prophecy that he was supposed to open the gate. Anyways, she starts talking to Ezio, and then w- right at the beginning, she says the line, I need to talk to you. But as she's saying the line, she turns just straight on towards the camera and, you know, completely breaks the fourth wall, which I was not expecting at all. And then she goes back to Ezio, and they start talking again. So you you kind of get this feeling like, well, that couldn't have been a fluke, right? But then she tells Ezio, look, you're the prophet. But you're not that important. <laughs> you're just here so that I can talk to the real person. And that's when she turns and breaks the fourth wall again. And then she explains like her whole history and everything. How she's some aliens and a goddess. And she created uh, her people created humanity and blah, blah, this and that. Hey, Alex. Uh, yeah. When she broke the fourth wall, did she come in like a wrecking ball? <laughs> Sticking her tongue out like Gene Simmons. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> 
And go. So she ends up telling the prophet, which is Ezio, look, you're just the vessel. I'm just here to talk to Desmond. And what was really cool, like, he starts freaking out. He's like, wait, who's Desmond? He starts looking around the room, but of course, there's nobody. That fourth wall breakage just took me completely by surprise. And if you look it up on YouTube and everything, the whole scene is there, but playing through the whole game and finding out little tidbits about who this person or what this person you know is just made the scene way more impactful for me. When when you're playing through the first game, doesn't it kind of glitch out every once in a while? It's kind of a, a hint that it's not actually real. It well, starts you play out as that. Yeah, it starts out as Desmond in the not-so-distant future, and they explain, oh, this is the Animus. We're going to yeah. go in through to your memories no, like, and oh, stuff. Okay. In the ver- in the very beginning of the very first one, aren't you like playing as the guy in the past and like you don't know what's going on and you can't, and the controls are all weird and you're oh, screwing yeah. up? You get yeah. really frustrated, like, what the hell is going on? This game is going crazy. And then all of a sudden it flips back to the Desmond guy and he's like, oh, no, you're doing everything wrong. And he's like, oh, oh, oh. It's a, that's when it introduces the whole dual reality thing. Yeah. But it starts out like, tutorial yet. Idiot. Yeah, it starts out like like you're like you think as a player you think that you're screwing up the game and, you, and you're completely confused and everything's going wrong and you're and but then it it's actually part of the experience. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that was like one of the two cool moments in Assassin's Creed One. So are you really are they really breaking the fourth wall? They're actually just talking to a diff, the other character. Yes, because I guess you know in a way you know me being in the business, it's kind of like the developers reaching out to the player. Like a lot of really good games do this where you can tell it's like hey we're talking to you the player you've been doing all this this is what you should be paying attention to because you've worked all these hours on this game to get to this point that's what it felt like to me does that mean all first person shooters then are breaking the fourth wall um in a way i would say they are i think most most first person shooters have some kind of rudimentary stories that your your character has some kind of background like very, very rarely are they just a complete cipher, like in Half-Life, uh, which actually turns out to be pretty cool. Um, you, you kind of feel more connected to the story that way. But yeah, for the most part, there's some lame story when you're playing Call of Duty or whatever. So it's not really you. Yeah, but for point-of-view shots, when they look at the camera, they're looking at the person that's supposedly looking back at them. That's a right. little bit different than breaking the fourth wall, looking at you, the audience member. There's a bit of a difference between whether they're supposedly looking at a character or they're looking at the audience. Yeah, and I'm just saying that this, they're looking at Desmond, though. They're not looking at the game player. I don't know. That's, what I'm, that's the question I'm asking. I understand they're not looking at Enzio, but they're looking at Desmond, which is still not me. That's Desmond. But you are kind of Desmond, so for games, it's kind of... It, you know, it bleeds. Yeah, it's Remember what I said about being Inception-y? Eh? It's, it's breaking <laughs> yeah. the third and a half, third and a half wall. <laughs> third and a half wall. <laughs> So, yeah, that was my takes on the scene. Did you guys... You guys didn't happen to look it up, right, and see it? I, I, I actually beat it. <laughs> you did? Yeah, I actually played this a while ago. Oh. I don't remember it. It didn't affect me in any way. I was like, oh, well, I beat the game. <laughs> <laughs> and I will agree with you, it's way better than Assassin's Creed 1. I didn't finish Assassin's Creed 1. It was so boring. It was just repetitive. You know, listen for some hints, go get the, the mark, notice, and kill the guy. Rinse, yeah. repeat. And that's all that game was. Yeah. This game was a little bit more than that. Not much, but it was enough to make it fun and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Cool. But like, I didn't remember the Indian until you, until you just explained it. So, I Is that the latest it. game in the series? No. They've gone on to Assassin's Creed did they, 4. Did they now. develop the whole sci-fi thing that she was talking about? Because it seemed to like come way out of nowhere. I, I don't know. The latest game, I just 
was watching people play it, and you're on a pirate ship, so hopefully that explains everything. <laughs> well, in Assassin's Creed 1, you went back into, like, the the future as Desmond, like, on the machine a lot more. In Assassin's Creed 2, that, like, only happens, like, two times within the entire game. Mm-hmm. It, they could still be keeping... I think they are still keeping the sci-fi-ness of the series on there, but they, they're just going they back are. to Desmond. Like a, in the less. in the pirate game, some stuff happens. Like I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, yeah, it, it moves forward. And then chronologically, it's moving forward too. So eventually, at some point, you're going to be in a modern setting doing all this assassin stuff. I hope so. That'd be cool. It's like the last one was right around, like they're they're like past the Revolutionary War now. So I'm not sure what comes after that. Well, it went a little bit. Uh, back and forth because yeah, Assassin's Creed Three is during the Revolutionary War, but Assassin's Creed Four is uh, some years back. Um, I don't know about that. Really? Hmm. Anyways, I'm, I'm sure everybody's fascinated. Let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's move on. All right, I got a couple others on my list, but why don't we throw it to our guest first this time? All right. All right, so the, I started off with one uh, other video game one, and this is uh, Max Payne, the first one. And if everyone's played Max Payne, they'll remember the two god-awful nightmare levels, which everybody hates. But um, uh, With uh, Mark Wahlberg? No, no, this is the video game. Not, <laughs> not you, the terrible not movie. Not you, <laughs> not you. <laughs> the movie was a nightmare in and of itself, which no one should ever have to watch either. But... Uh, in Max Payne, the video game before that, uh, so Max is running around these god-awful maze levels or whatever, and once you finally get to the end, he rushes up to some sort of like book or something, and I think his wife has, has written something, and the first time it says, Max, you're in a comic book, and Max's um, uh, voiceover says, oh my god, it, it totally makes sense, all these moments that in my memory are like still images of the words just hanging in the air, and he tries to get all metaphorical about how he's in the graphic novel, and all the little cutscenes are all portrayed as if they are a graphic novel so all of a sudden it kind of points out the medium itself and then the second time he goes through the, le- the level he, it says max you're in a video game it's like oh my god it totally makes sense i've been shooting people for 20 hours straight that's crazy and you know, it feels like my actions are being puppeted by someone being controlled by somebody else and so it makes these clever little hints that yes he does realize the the medium that he's in so i thought that was kind of clever those, those were hints Hints, whatever references. No, because they seemed them. like if they if that was like some of the actual dialogue, it was like pretty in your face. Yeah, yeah. Well, I shouldn't have said hints, but they're, they're <laughs> referencing. They're pointing it out. Yeah, slapping you in the face with it. Slapping it. <laughs> Nothing about Max Payne is subtle, so I guess they just <laughs> yeah, got to true. Pound it into the floor as much as possible. <laughs> okay, so uh, my next one. Then I started going for actual like. More like you were talking about uh, breaking the fourth wall. So Blazing Saddles, one of the best movies of all God time. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So yeah, Blazing Saddles, I mean the whole point of Blazing Saddles is basically to just kind of point out how ridiculously artificial the Western genre was. So throughout the entire movie, they're constantly addressing the audience, acknowledging things, making uh, references to modern culture and things like that. They'll look, they'll talk to the audience. The little lady's getting beat up and she looks at the camera and says, have you ever seen such cruelty? Oh, oh. <laughs> Black Bart is constantly talking to the camera, like, oh, baby, you are so talented, and they are so dumb. <laughs> and then at the very end, of course, the movie actually just completely implodes and spills out onto other movie sets and the whole <laughs> giant brawl through through the Hollywood backlots. And then they eventually, well, I don't, I don't know if spoiling really matters, but they, I mean, they, go, they actually visit the Blazing Saddles movie as in a theater, the very end. 
And so, yeah, the whole thing is just constantly making more and more reference to the fact that the Western genre was totally – this idealized notion of the Wild West is a complete Hollywood fabrication. So it, I it, gets, was... it gets even more meta than that. Before they, they spill out of the, the movie set – they build the fake town inside the movie. Ah, right, yeah. <laughs> so, so it, it's already getting like you know to that point before they even you know really just uh, hammer it home. I mean, and, and Mel Brooks does that in all of his movies, though. The breaking of the fourth wall. Yeah, it'd be easy to I, point out all the instances. But, yeah, uh, yeah, it's very uh, inceptiony. <laughs> Not inceptiony. Oh. Is that but, the new word for this podcast? Inceptiony. Inceptiony, yeah. along with uh, uh, National Lampoon Lethal Weapon One. <laughs> Can we go a week without talking about Little <laughs> Weapon 1, please? No. There is no we. It's Alex. <laughs> I'm, I'm I've never mentioned it. it. I, have you mentioned it yet? I'm, I'm guilty of it. Okay. I, think I, I think I brought it up one time. All right. I'll try to refrain yeah. myself next, next week. I, I, I could mention it more. Make me fit in. Bits up, it, baby. Yeah, that, that was a thing, right? Like in a lot of 70s movies where – or comedies, I should say, where they would just – the movie would break onto other sets and stuff. Because I just saw... Oh, well, not just saw, but recently I saw the original uh, Casino Royale with Woody Allen. And it it did that at the end of its movie. I was like, was this a thing? That was a real trippy, like, avant-garde kind of movie. I think that was kind of unique. That was in the 60s, actually, also, I believe. Yeah, I don't think that Peter Sellers, right? Yeah, Yeah, Peter Sellers. I I don't don't think... uh, Yeah, the breaking into movie sets was kind of... (laughs) I'm in vogue. <laughs> That's ludicrous. Very, very specific. Thing. I don't know. A lot of movies are dark nowadays. In the 80s, they were all, you know, 80s. In the 70s, they'd rampage through other movies. <laughs> yeah. That's what they did in the 70s, yeah. Alrighty, so uh, next one is a little movie called Funny Games. Um, it's, it was originally a German movie that got remade shot for shot by the same uh, director, Michael Haneke. The movie sounds fun. Yeah, I swear to God, when I first I first saw this in a film class, and I my teacher all I heard from my teacher say is this is funny, and then he put the movie on. I'm like, oh, okay, it's going to be a comedy. And boy, was it not well, a fun, comedy. F- funny's in the name. Funny's <laughs> in the name. Yeah, I thought he was just saying, hey, this is going to be a funny movie. Check it out. And it's about um, it's like this deconstruction of slasher movies, and uh, the two main characters, the two killers, basically, are these really preppy-looking, nice-looking, young twenty-something-year-old guys, and they kidnap this family, and they realize that they're in a movie, and they realize that the audience is watching them torture this family. So they keep looking at the audience and saying, "Do you think these guys are going to survive? I bet they won't. You're probably rooting for them, aren't you?" And the whole point of it is just kind of – it's this weird trick on the audience to ask the audience, why are you watching this movie? Why are you taking pleasure from watching these people kill these people? And people hated it. It sounds it extremely was, German. Yes, yes. It was very, very German. And uh, the German version is actually a lot better than the English version uh, with Michael Pitt as the main guy instead of the, whoever the German guy was. But one particular part is the very beginning when he's kind of just letting the couple know that he's a psychopath and uh, they can't find their dog. And he kind of insinuates that he knows where the dog is. And so the, the, the wife is walking around. He's going, warmer, colder, warmer, colder. And then just before she goes to open the, her car door, he turns around and looks at the audience and gives this just shit-eating smirk, which is the first time he's ever done something like that. So it's this big shock, like, what the hell is going on with this movie? And it just go, kind of descends from there. So that was a very shocking use of breaking the fourth wall for a very not comedic purpose, in spite of the fact that it's called Funny Games. Yeah, it doesn't sound that funny. 
did yeah did your teacher ever explain why he thought it was funny um no no he was saying that this is this is funny games but i got i lost the second part so i thought oh, he was just okay. saying this movie is funny and in the movie they play they play a lot of games make these bets with the family and if they don't win the okay. bet then they're going to kill them or something so that's why it's called funny games what, what was what was just out of curiosity what what was the point of this movie it was just the point was the point was like a deconstruction of horror movies, basically. Okay. To, okay. Yeah, to basically ask the audience, why do you watch horror That's movies? Right. Why do you take entertainment from watching people die on screen for your pleasure? So because <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> it's not you. Yeah, that's what the yeah, cathar- catharsis Plato wrote on that. Ooh. Okay, so a couple more, uh, just really quick ones. Uh, so this is just a list of like funny games where just the character just turns to the audience for some reason, just mugs to the audience at some kind of interesting point. So some of my favorites are in Trading Places, when Eddie Murphy's being told what commodities trading yes. is. And they've got the little <laughs> things lined up, and he's like, you know, we, we, trade, we trade gold, and they points to gold. And we trade, you know, grain, he points to grain. We trade bacon, which you might find in a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. And then Eddie Murphy just turns to the camera, just gives this uh, like long-suffering look. And, oh my God, the hell do these people think of me? That was hysterical. And there's uh, hot. It was the Dukes. It was the Dukes. I, can I tell you that I didn't realize I watched Trading Places so often in my youth as a child, and I didn't you realize it was that Jamie Lee Curtis gets naked. I didn't know it was an R-rated movie. I was watching an edited version. So I watched it in my teens for the first time after a long time, and all of a sudden there's breasts everywhere. I was like, I don't remember this. So, <laughs> What's wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> Innocence lost. Yes, right there, right there. Uh, so then there's a hot tub time machine. You when, son uh, of a bitch. <laughs> when he t- he's, but it must be some kind of... Hot tub time machine. And I love just, just the – he almost like glares at the audience like, there, I said it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was – loved uh, The delivery of that was just yeah. pitch perfect. Yeah, I love that. Some sort of hot tub time machine. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of those lines that was in the trailer too, right? So it was kind of spoiled, but everyone still wanted to hear it in the theater, right? When you yeah, I think it. it was just in voiceover when he says that. <laughs> and so when you actually see him, he looks right at the audience as, as he says it. It's a surprise. You're like, oh, yeah, okay. That was the line. I knew it was coming. Well, you this know, what's funny about that is, like, by virtue of doing that, you don't really need an explanation anymore. Like, they, they've, set, they've set up the premise. You can move along. Yeah. There's no, you know, we need to get the get up to 88 miles an hour, fix the right. flux capacitor. Just, just, where you, there was just a time accept- machine It was that also yeah. happened to be hot. Um, hey, you needed that Chernobyl stuff. Well, yeah, yeah they, they did. That was part of it was a plot device, though. It wasn't like they didn't, they didn't feel like explaining to the audience any, anything past that. That was just the, the brief exposition. No, well, wait. they do keep teasing whether Chevy Chase is magical or not. Right, right. Wait, did did you notice the titties in this movie? I did notice the titties in this okay, movie. Okay, good. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, how'd you miss those? <laughs> uh, I don't watch anything that's edited for TV anymore. Not, those days are long since past. Just <laughs> add Chernobyl to your list, Alex. That was a good word. <laughs> oh, thank you. Chernobyl. <laughs> Chernobyl. Words of Chernobyl. That's all you talk about. This is literally the first time I've brought it up. Yeah, it is, really. <laughs> <laughs> is that your list? Uh, I got one more. Okay. That I'll talk about. Okay. This is a Harold and Maude, a classic '60s counterculture movie. Um, and then and every- there's Maude. 
Has everybody seen Harold Amon? You know what the basic concept of this was? Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't. But I, haven't I know either. the concept, but. yeah. Okay, yeah, so Harold is a young guy. He doesn't want to date. He falls in love with this 80-year-old woman, uh, or maybe she's a 7-year-old, a very old woman. And his mother's con- constantly bringing these dates over, and he's constantly sabotaging them by pretending to kill himself in front of them and making them freak out and run away. <laughs> so... At one point, uh, this, his mother brings in his newest date, and she sits down there talking. And uh, in the background, you can see Harold walking around in the backyard. And he goes and he covers himself in this white sheet, and he sits Indian style, and he pours gasoline all over himself as the mo- mother and, and, the, and the, this girl are talking. And he just lights himself on fire. And the woman and the girl just freaks out and starts running back and forth, back and forth. And, Maja, and uh, Harold just kind of walks in completely fine. Goes, hi, I'm, I'm Harold. How's it going? She ignores him, just runs completely straight out the door. And so Harold kind of watches her leave and then kind of very slowly just turns to the camera and gives this big, another shit-eating grin, basically. Just this victorious smirk. And then he realizes that his mother is glaring at him. She goes, ooh, 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 and then starts being all <laughs> obedient again. Yeah, so, I have to watch this movie. Yeah, uh, Harold Lamont is a classic. It's a very, very good movie. Funny and sad and everywhere in between. Cool. So that's cool. my list. <laughs> Thank you, Wade. <laughs> Scott, let's hear your list. All right, so... Sing it. Yeah. What? what? <laughs> oh, sing it. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Oh yeah, let's do the. We should do a Les Miserables version of the podcast, <laughs> starting now. I'll be Russell Crowe. Damn it! <laughs> fighting around the world, oi! <laughs> My fight's poetry. Fighting around the world. <laughs> Go ahead, Scott. Okay. No more interruptions. I hate you. Go I'm ahead right now. now. <laughs> okay. Start off with the childhood movie. Uh, to this day, I still. Watch it every once in a while, just when it's on in the background and cable, or whatever. But that'd be the never-ending story. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yes, that that did have the best theme song ever. <laughs> it's it's stuck into my head to this very day, um, as I'm sure it was to every other kid that went to see that in the movie theater. Anyways, goes along, and this is another. Uh, it gets kind of meta, like in Blazing Saddles, like I was talking about. Where yeah. Bastion, the main character, gets this magical book, basically, and he's following the adventures of these other people in this magical world of Fantasia. And at the end, everything falls apart. The, the world in the book falls apart. And the, the character, the childlike empress, tells Bastion, because he's the only one left, because the other hero, uh, Treyu, and his luck dragon are, are knocked out or whatever, I forget. Um, she keeps telling him to, to, give him a, to give her a name. And he freaks out. He can't do it. Um, he's freaked out because she's talking to him through the book. And then she explains to him that the whole time he's been watching their adventures, other people have been watching his. And as a kid, that freaked me the fuck out. Like <laughs> I don't, I don't know if if you guys remember watching it as a kid. But yeah. Then he eventually gathers his courage, busts open the shutters, and yells into a storm bunch of gibberish and then he saves the day i don't know if they... please bastion say my name yeah <laughs> what do i have to do yeah that was that, that always kind of stuck with me i remember I, I... the fact that she talks about the person reading the book but i didn't realize i don't remember the fact that she talks about the people watching him through the movie or whatever yeah, yeah. yeah i missed that as a kid i watched that in ages crossover moment <laughs> all right what's your what's your guys's uh Favorite non-Star Wars kids movie? Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> <laughs> um, Goonies. Oh, damn mm. it. 
Yeah, that's a good one. Hey, you guys. I'm going to say Conan the Destroyer. Okay. <laughs> Wait, the Destroyer? Well, that's, that is that's the, the kids second movie. That is a kid's movie. Oh, Barbarian yeah. is not a kid's movie. <laughs> the Destroyer is. <laughs> I watched it as a kid. I would say uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory for me. God, nice. I watch that movie like every week. That's a like horror movie also. Yeah. <laughs> Just a couple parts. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a bit fourth wall breakery, right? When he's doing the whole speech in the psychedelic lights. It's freaky. It's freaky. I don't know if it's fourth wall breaky. Yeah. You fail. You get nothing. That speech? No. No, when no, he's spinning on the thing. I know. I yeah. Know. Um, There's no play we're going. <laughs> Is it raining? Is it snowing? And then he turned into a meme. Yeah. Grunk a lunk a dunk a ingredient. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to. Uh, Willy Wonka also. I, I watched that movie a ton as a kid. Yeah. Uh, maybe Spaceballs I watched more. But I don't oh, know if I qualify Spaceballs necessarily as a kid's movie. Mm. But I definitely watched that a shitload. Man, we ain't found shit. <laughs> you were not getting the fact that they had an Afro pick. I was wondering, why the, why was their thing so small? <laughs> yeah, when I, I was a kid. kid. <laughs> when I was a kid, I said, oh, he said shit. That's funny. Yeah, right, that's, yeah. that's what I was laughing at. <laughs> It's like this smart-ass black man is talking back yeah. to Lord Helmet. Yeah, and I didn't get the brilliant alien reference either. Cause oh, you know, yeah. A little kid, I obviously hadn't seen Yeah, alien. I hadn't seen it yet either. Okay. Uh, yeah, so okay. back to my list. Speaking of Spaceballs, there's like a couple of my, my all-time favorite uh, breaking of the fourth wall. There, you see a lot of these in the spoof movies. You know, Mel Brooks kind of, I don't want to say perfected it, but he made it funny. And Spaceballs spills onto another movie set, we know. No, that wasn't the one I was going to point out. Oh. But thanks. Uh, Wait, that happens? That does happen. I was no, that, joking. That's, no, that does happen. Oh, when it doesn't spill onto another movie set. Oh, not into another movie set, but you... Yeah. Uh, he goes behind the scenes. Yeah. 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 You've yeah. captured the stunt doubles. That was a great... That was a great <laughs> he, like, slashes the boom operator. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, he yeah. did it. He did it. Yeah. Uh, the, the VHS gag, where they pull out Spaceballs <laughs> yes. movie. Yes. VH what? Go, when will then be now? Soon. Uh, this I, is now now. <laughs> we can't stop. We have to slow down first. <laughs> Bullshit! <laughs> Chicken. That slow down quote from Colonel Sanders has turned into my favorite quote. What's, when we when we start saying that, we, I think we, Jeff learned that when we went to Vegas we trip, one time. We had a trip yeah. time Jeff started doing it, and I was dying. <laughs> we can't stop. We got to slow down first. Oh, man. Good times. Yeah. And then uh, four second. hours of that. <laughs> yeah. F you, Alex. Uh, the second... Uh, yeah. moment from, from Spaceballs, which I love, which is towards the end of the movie, I think I talked a little bit about this before, but they, they're about to go down with the ship. There's the uh, cancellation of the self-destruct code or whatever in the middle of the, the room. They go up to pull the lever, and there's a sign on it that says, out of order. <laughs> and Darth Helmet, you know, Dark Helmet yells out, fuck, even in the future, nothing works. <laughs> I always love that line, just that kind of little bit of self-awareness that they're, yeah. you know, they're in the sci-fi, Star Wars-esque um, Spaceballs. Uh, Good. Another... I have one from Spaceballs, but you didn't use mine one, so I'll save it. Good. Okay. A little weird movie, which I don't know if any of you saw, called Pumpkin, starring Christina Ricci. 
I don't know. Did any of you guys see that one? Not Pumpkinhead? Pumpkin. <laughs> yeah, no, no, just Pumpkin. Pumpkinhead 2? Okay, so <laughs> it's about Christina Ricci uh, as a pumpkin. She's like the head of, head of the sorority. Wednesday? And I think it took place on a weekend. <laughs> okay. Uh, she's in charge of the sorority, and it, it's kind of a satire on college life and just horrible, how pe- horrible people are in general. She basically, through doing some volunteer work, hooks up with this uh, other guy who's, I don't know how old he is, but he's out of high school. That that's uh, handicapped, and she starts this romance with him, thinking that he's, you know, he's only phys- there's only physical problems with him. But even though throughout the movie, there's all kinds of hints that you know he really is. Uh, you know, he F is has you know the mental capacity just isn't there, and things escalate where the guy, the handicapped guy, gets in a fight with her ex-boyfriend and like pile drives him in the ground, and the that guy, gets- guy pile drives the boyfriend in the ground, ex-boyfriend, yeah. yeah. And the, the ex-boyfriend winds up getting paralyzed and turns into, like, this really nice guy. And she kind of freaks out because, you know, all along she just needed someone damaged to take care of because she's so damaged. But she walks away in the sunset with this with the handicapped guy. By that point, it's been made manifest that he is what he is. He's, he's really not like some savant. You know, he really is kind of just this kid trapped in a, in a man's body. And she looks back at the camera uh, or over her shoulder into the camera and at the audience, you know, as if to say... Like what the fuck am I gonna do now? Uh, it's 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 kind of a almost a chilling moment. Kind of sums up the the whole movie with that one look. I thought it was pretty cool, um, and that was a lot to talk about that movie. Uh, <laughs> let's see my video game input here: Metal Gear, specifically every fucking Metal Gear game <laughs> <laughs> will will break the fourth wall. Uh, it all started with the very first game, where you have to grab a code off of the box. I, I don't know if you guys remember this. Uh, in the game, you have to enter a code. Oh, yeah. On the back of the box that the game came in is the code. So if you got the game used or you borrowed it from a buddy or... or if you just uh, got the discs, yeah. Yeah, or, or if you didn't understand what the hell they were talking about, you thought they were talking about a box inside of the game. It took me three days, you, yeah. You, you were screwed or you had to call up Nintendo Power <laughs> and get, get the hit line. Um, Nintendo Power for a PlayStation game? There used to be... No, the original Metal Gear. Oh, they, they did that too? Yes. Oh, shit. I only, I only thought that was on the PlayStation one. Damn. I think that was that before that. Yeah. Damn you, Kojima! Yeah, the Metal Gear for the PlayStation, they made you switch controllers, which was also incredibly stupid. Wow. Uh, what if, if you didn't have two controllers? No, no you, took, you, you took your first player controller port and put it into the second player controller. Oh. It was just one controller, yeah. So that, that Psycho Mantis couldn't read your mind. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this was a psychic character, and he would also read your memory card. And if you had any other, if you had any other Konami games, he would read those off. Like, oh, I see you play Suikoden. Like it was, <laughs> was, was kind of creepy. Or he would make the controller vibrate all on its own. It's like watch my mental powers, and then he'd make <laughs> set your controller down on the ground and don't touch it for a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, then would, and then make it vibrate. How's he do that? He's just a video game. Yeah, it's like that. You, you get further in the story, like the second game, it really starts to break down with the, maybe not so much breaking in the fourth wall, but makes you question whether anything's actually happening or not. Um, yeah. Alex, Alex can back me up on that one. Oof. It so gets that, really Japanese. Yeah. So i got uh, two more here. Um, make this quick. That thing you do, I really, I really 
really enjoyed that movie actually. I don't. I know some people hate it because they they sing the same song <laughs> just about every five minutes in the movie. That was kind uh, of the point, though, right? Yeah, and I I think it actually you know yeah definitely worse from the movie. Um, at the very end, after you know everybody's on their way to their happy or not so happy endings, the the bellhop at the hotel that they're staying in, um, where the two main characters just. Was that Pee Wee? No, <laughs> not Pee Wee. Mister Herman, Mister Herman, you have a telephone call at the front desk. Nice. That's the movie I watched the most. Pee Wee Herman. I'm changing my answer. Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll edit it. It'll sound like you said that during the crossover moment. Don't worry. And so that thing you do, um, and it it ends with uh, a trope. Um, the trope that black people are magic <laughs> because the the bellhop is is a black man and uh, he's he's basically nudged the main character into doing the right thing and you know going over to the, to the female lead and uh, he says we ain't found shit doesn't say that but it finishes with him looking into the camera and just grinning because he's like I said the trope a magical black person um, I thought the, Spike Lee did the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No. <laughs> All right, my last one. He is a magical black man. Continue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spike Lee is a magical black man. Uh, it was Wayne's World. Um, in, oh, damn it! It's another in, one I had. <laughs> well, maybe I'm not doing the one you were going to do. Um, in both of them, there's a bunch of these, but uh, my my favorite is the one from Ed O'Neill. Yeah. As the as the the <laughs> owner of the donut shop, Stan Makita. They walk in. They they walk in. Yeah, Makita's. They walk in, and uh, the camera's following Wayne, and all of a sudden, um, starts following Ed O'Neill for no reason, and he starts talking to the camera. Why is it when a man kills him kills a man in war, he's a hero? When he kills another man in the heat of passion, he's a murderer. And then, <laughs> and then Wayne's like, what the hell is going on? And the camera comes back over to him. Yeah. Oh, man, that was cool. Like, Ed O'Neill just sells that perfectly. <laughs> so, like, offbeat there. It's so non-sequitur. Um, was... All of his lines are gold in that movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that, but that one in particular kills me every time. Uh, hey, Mr. So, yeah, Donut it's... Man, who's trying to kill you? I don't know, but he better not. <laughs> better not. <laughs> right, so that's my list. Uh, Alex. No, Jeff. Jeff. He has right. his list. All right, I'll go. Um, so you mentioned Spaceballs. Um, I did, too. The one I thought of is toward the beginning. Is when they're, it's the exposition scene, and they're talking about how they need to get the air out of Juridia. And they're pretty now. Total exposition, and then uh, Darth Helmet looks at the screen and goes, "You got that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good." And then they continue on. That was always one of my favorites. If from you that can movie. read this, you don't need glasses. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, it's just like totally calling out. This is their exposition scene, and then you blah, blah blah, and he has the audience. You got that? That one, and then I only have a couple for this. The other one I had was Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where he's yep. pretty much talking to the camera yeah. the whole time. I always love that movie. I don't like a lot of those Brat Pack movies, but that's one of the few ones that I do like. That and, I guess, Breakfast Club. But Ferris Bueller's? Bueller's Frat Boy? Frat Pack? Isn't no. it? Well, so it's a John Hughes movie. Well, it's anyway. John Hughes, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I guess that's what I'm going to John Hughes. Yeah. And um, another little was a t- made-for-TV movie, um, Pirates of Silicon Valley, and you know, me being the tech guy that I am, the scene where it's when Bill Gates is 
talking to IBM about uh, we want we'll, we'll license our software to you as opposed to selling it. And like IBM's like, yeah, who cares? All the money's in hardware anyway. And then the movie like freezes, and then is it Bill Gates? No, it's Steve Ballmer's character. Like comes like everything freezes. He comes starts talking to the screen, the people on the TV. Like this is how smart he was, and blah 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 blah. It's, it's I think I like it because it's so stupid, and that his, his guy, the actor, looks so terrible, and he's wearing like a skull cap to make him look bald, like Steve Ballmer and everything. And <laughs> was he super uh, sweaty? <laughs> he was not super sweaty, but he was super dorky looking and. I don't know. I was like that, and then um, that's it. My, my last one, actually, and this is my favorite, and this would probably be second on my list of favorite movies as a kid. That's not Star Wars. Would be Superman, and the very end of Superman one and two. He's flying into space, and the music's like you know, dun 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 dun, and he banks, and then he turns around, and he's flying away, and then he looks at the camera, and he smiles, and that as a kid. That was always like Superman. They're looking at me. Yeah, me and you, Soup. Me and you, buddy. <laughs> we did and it. I, we fucking I did always... it, Soups. And with, with the John I, Williams score, it's still great. Yeah, yeah. and oh, I yeah. always, as a kid, like I really did think. I was like, I that movie came out in what seventy eight, and I was like one or two. Like I thought Superman was looking at me. That's like how like I loved it. And that was my favorite. And it was just on the other day. I was at my brother's house, and he had never even seen Superman two. So we were watching it, and then I forgot that he doesn't. He, the exact same scene happens at the end of Superman two as it does Superman. But then also, remember how that guy like beats him up in the bar when he doesn't have his powers? <laughs> Superman yeah, pulls that, a dick move at the little diner. Yeah, and then Superman goes back at the end, and he's you know he kind of sure I've never seen garbage eat garbage before. And then <laughs> he punches him and he throws him into the pinball machine or whatever. And then he looks at the guy, goes, "What have you been doing?" He's like, "Oh, I've been." working out and then he looks at the camera again there and he kind of just like winks with the he like raises his eyebrows and once again man soup me and soup me and clark you guys don't know but we're we're we're, we're buds so superman triumphantly executing petty vengeance against a <laughs> yes. small town guy what you didn't see was that guy was paralyzed from the waist down yeah exactly yeah he actually didn't punch him but he's punched superman and hurt his hand and then superman just like pushed him across the counter yeah I'll bet Superman felt like a jerk. real big man. Real yeah. big man there, Superman. Good for you. You feel better now? Actually, if I yes. had Superman's powers, I would just go around picking fights with douchebags. <laughs> that guy punched him in the back of the head. That guy was a piece of crap. He deserved it. Superman should have... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Done a, lot, done a lot worse to that guy. And is that the same guy from Gremlins? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Damn it, you guys should know this. I really don't know that one. What, what guy in Gremlins? Like yeah. the drunk, the guy who drives the tractor, and he's all drunk one day, one time, and uh, oh, you know, I think that's yeah, it might be. Like the, the yeah, the drunk guy that comes yeah, back in was, the Gremlins too, and he fights yeah. the uh, flying one. Exactly that, might be that guy. Yeah, and he names them Gremlins because he talks about how in Vietnam right. they had Gremlins and stuff like that. Yeah, oh, that could, I don't know what that guy's name is, but he's in a lot of things, at least in the eighties. Yeah, he was one of those that guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So that's all I got. Uh, Alex. Uh, first order of business, I'm going to call for a beer break if nobody objects. Alrighty. I've already been on two. And you guys didn't know. <laughs> We're back. Alright. So we'll just run through my list fairly quickly. Some of the movies that broke the fourth wall really gave me a chill. First, Psycho. I, didn't, I never saw the original, but the one I saw, what? the remake. Whoa. Yeah, Stop I know. That- doesn't count. Get, away, get out of here. It was still pretty chilling. It, it did have the big... Vince Vaughn, too. 
He did a pretty good job. Anyways, oh, uh, next one was uh, Goodfellas. When whoa, Joe whoa, 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 What, what was the, <laughs> the very what was end the moment? Yeah, doesn't the matter. Very... Scott, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the very end. Spoilers. Uh, the dude thought he was himself and his dead mother. He was dressing up. Whoa. Uh-huh. And he says, "Oh, they wouldn't convict an old lady. I wouldn't harm a fly." And there's a fly, you know, crawling on his face or something. That part. God damn and then, it. And then he's, and then he calls the cop a motor no motor button son of a bitch. <laughs> he does. He Albert Hitchcock's silhouette is t- turning in its grave. <laughs> Anyways, uh, next one is uh, Goodfellas. When Joe Pesci, like at the very, like the last shot, yeah. Joe Pesci's just looking straight at the camera and he fires his revolver right after uh, Ray Liotta, or as my dad calls him, Ray Bolita, was <laughs> doing his <laughs> his thing about being in protective custody and everything. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. That's Wait, a reference Joe... to uh, The Great Train Robbery, one of the very first movies ever. Wow. At the very end of the great train robbery, it's it's like this little robbery, and at the very end, just completely apropos of nothing, it, this guy looks at the camera and shoots a gun at the camera. And at the time, it was like you know the 1909 or something. People didn't realize that movies couldn't hurt them; they would like dive to the floor because <laughs> they were so shocked that someone was shooting at them. No, I, so I, I, was, I always felt that that shot was out of place. Yeah, well, that's why it's out of place. I mean, it was it was a, a fun little like thing at the reference. end, but, but yeah. Yeah, it just it kind of takes you out of the movie. The movie's over at that point, so it doesn't really matter. But right, is a weird choice to throw so, in at the end there like that. So I remember Ray Liotta like going out to get the paper and he looks at the camera. But what does Joe Pesci do? It's like at the very end, there's just a shot of Joe Pesci like on a stand-up comedian stage because it's just a brick wall with like a maybe a little bit of spotlight on. I don't know, but he just shoots his revolver straight at the camera. Really? I was. Yeah. yeah, I always took it as yeah. if uh, Joe Pesci's character was alive, he would have killed uh, Ray Liotta. That's, uh, that's possible. I mean, that's possible. With it. I mean, at that point, he's in protective custody, you know, like the mob wants him dead. He's pining for his the glory days of the mob, and the, his glory days in the mob involved Joe Pesci killing lots of people. So <laughs> that's, that's what he's remembering. <laughs> and uh, another movie that really was like, kind of unnerving when they broke the fourth wall was uh, Clockwork Orange. Oh, yeah. When uh, Alex and his gang was in the uh, milk bar. And, the very beginning. Yeah. And the camera's just like slowly zooming in and he's just staring at the camera the whole time. That always freaks me out. That was supposed to be on my list. I forgot to put that. <laughs> that yeah. music is what really, like the look on his face and just that crazy like like electronic like funeral music that's just blaring out of nowhere. Yeah. The camera's pulling away from such an iconic shot. I love that. Mm-hmm. The side story is that Kubrick had them locked in that room for 48 hours blasting that music. <laughs> oh, God, really? Jeez. No, no, not really. No, but I, I believe you would leave that of Kubrick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another couple of quick ones. These are mostly from uh, comedies. I, I find like a lot of comedies did all this uh, fourth wall breaking. They do that more yeah. often than uh, stuff. It's like the, it's the Laurel and Hardy tradition. Oh, well, I'll mention Wayne's World, the uh, product placement scene. He's <laughs> like, I don't know, but I will not bow down to any sponsor. He's holding up a pizza butt. <laughs> pizza Hut pizza. He's like, what do you think, Garth? <laughs> and he's wearing, like, all this all Reebok Reeboks. gear. Yeah. <laughs> Reebok gear that was cool in the late 80s. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, like, people only do things for money, you know? 
Oh, I have a headache. Here, <laughs> take these. Ah, Nubrin. Little. Yellow. Different. It actually goes to black and white, too, and he's yeah. holding his hand. <laughs> Nobody gets that anymore. Nobody's ever going to get that. Well, of course not. This commercials are on for like six months. We're old, Wade. We're old. I know. <laughs> yeah. If you, that's that's going to be awkward when you're when you're when you're sitting down with your children or whoever, having to explain all the pop culture references that these kids no longer get anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Some of the first uh, fourth wall breakage that I ever experienced was in uh, the Looney Tune cartoons, where sometimes Bugs or somebody would would just look straight at the camera and go, "Whoa, he's crazy, isn't he?" Or he would hold up the sign that had a, a screw and a ball <laughs> painted onto it. <laughs> Gruesome, isn't it? Yeah. Of That's course you re- realize this means war. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, good old Looney Tunes. And, uh, yeah, that about does it for uh, my list. Assassin's Creed 2, great game. Go play it. <laughs> oh, I got one more that I want to squeeze in here. Ooh. Uh, another funny that. one, just real quick, from Hot Shots Part D. Miguel oh. Frere's character yeah. keeps running off and wondering if he's a traitor or not. But it's really just him. He's, he's lost his will to fight, he's, or he's afraid to fight. And he gets the pep talk from uh, Charlie Sheen. Topper Harley. He, Topper Harley. And he feels better. And he goes out there and starts kicking some ass again. And then he stops, looks at the camera, and gets this giant grin on his face and says, War. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, that was my favorite. That's favorite definitely bit my in the favorite. Entire too. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. Was, Thanks, Topper. I can kill again. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so it wasn't Loaded Weapon, but it was Hot Shots Part D. Hot Shots Part D. <laughs> Close enough. All right, we ready for news? What kind of news? Neom news. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so um, little news that I got is that um, I heard. So I've heard this a few times now, but it seems like it's official that Carrie Fisher will reprise her role in the new Star Wars movie. So I don't know how official this one is, as opposed to the other ones, but I did hear it. A bunch of people texted me actually saying. That was going to happen. So, <laughs> yeah, I read that Abrams was trying to uh, keep the stories uh, for the new movies closer to the sti- to Skywalker's as opposed to the Solo triplets. Yeah, or, yeah, or the kids. Yeah, and um, well, I don't so, know what so that has to do with her. But well, because it doesn't surprise me that you know Mark Hamill or uh, what's her face Carrie Fisher would have like parts, but they'll probably have even bigger parts if that's the case. Well, hopefully they're not having babies together. <laughs> so, are they basing the new movie on movies on the extended universe type stuff, or are they doing their own thing? No, they're retconning a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I think they're doing their own thing, but who well, knows? We'll see. Well, Alex, are they are they retconning or just not following the extended universe? Uh, hey, wait, Alex no, or Scott? Alex doesn't know. Why are you asking him? Yeah. Red- no, no, no. What? No, I'm I'm asking him if he meant like. Are they not going to follow that, or are they just coming up with their own stuff? Oh no, they're, they're coming gonna... up with their own stuff, but not necessarily retconning. No, they're they're coming up with their own stuff for the movies and stuff, but uh, some some things are getting retconned. I don't know if it's specifically from the movies. From the stuff. trilogy. No. <laughs> Wait, how do you how can you answer these questions? Nobody well, knows. One thing I know is that Boba Fett's origin story is getting a bit retconned. Because okay. you don't know that. You've yes, heard rumors. You've heard rumors. Of, how do you know this? Confirmed, bro. Confirmed? Yeah. Not uh, plausible. Confirmed. Yeah. That right. I guess Boba I Fett... I guess. All right. So that's Boba confirmed. Fett, you say, I guess. Hey, 
Boba Fett is, you know, he's the clone of what's his face. They're retconning Jango. it so that Django, yeah, Django Unchained. <laughs> Damn you, the Django! <laughs> so Boba Fett, the clone, gets killed by another guy who steals his armor and assumes the identity of Boba Fett. This is before, like, the Star Wars original Star Wars trilogy begins. So. You're such an idiot. There's no way you know that because that shit's not out there. You write it on some stupid website that doesn't know shit. <laughs> How look, could you know that? Look it up, bro. I'll look it up on the internet, which means nothing. I got my sources. Whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa. whoa. <laughs> you got your sources. You're saying the internet tells lies, Jeff. Yeah, so I don't know why Alex <laughs> says he knows it. He doesn't know anything. We don't know anything. I feel it in my boner. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> this is what I do know. Actually, I don't know. This is the same basic crappy websites that Meth Damon might be Luke Skywalker's son. So there you go. Meth Damon. I guess his real name is Jesse Plemons. I don't know. But he looks like Matt Damon, and he was in Breaking Bad, so they call him Meth Damon. There you oh, go. That oh, that guy? Yeah. I don't know how that guy keeps getting roles. He gets. He shows up in everything. <laughs> really? He's in, yeah, really? He's, you know, he's in a lot of lot of stuff lately. Yeah. He was uh, in a... I don't want to list them all, but he's a weird-looking guy, and I don't understand how he gets so many roles. I thought he was albino. Yeah. Yeah, he is albino-looking. <laughs> oh, he is? Well, he's like a redhead. Weird-looking. He's weird-looking. Weird mm-hmm. He's a redhead? I thought he was blonde. I don't know eh. he is. Maybe they colored his hair. Anyway, and then the other news that I have, it's not even news, is I finally saw... Um, the King's Win game. Riddick, which was terrible, so don't watch it. I only watched it because I like Pitch Black, and I like the girl from... Um, Starbuck. Battle- yeah, Starbuck, Battlestar Galactica, and it was terrible. It was hard to watch the whole thing. Alex, you better pull over. Jeff needs some Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... <laughs> and- Go ahead, Scott. It, it's like I haven't seen it yet, but it, it seems like they took a step backwards with the, with the Riddick because I I like Chronicles of Riddick, like they had some hardcore sci-fi and just some some good action going on there, and it seems like they took a step back to him just kind of being stuck on a planet and fighting off things again from the first movie. Yeah, it's not the same stuff from the first movie. It's just other creatures from another planet, and they kind of they they set it up well. I really don't remember how Chronicles of Riddick ended, but it seems like from what I, from what I remember, it kind of tells you why he's there and everything. So their I don't budget know. was probably that was, was probably the issue. I'm, the yeah, I'm sure there's like definitely space budgetary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Well, I'm Diesel sure that, like that put out a mortgage on his home to pay for the movie. So this one or the second one? No, the latest one. Yeah. Did you get that from the internet too? I got that from Vin Diesel himself. Yeah. He said, yeah, look, some kind of mortgage my house. <laughs> Pay for this movie. And then what else? I finally saw Dread on Netflix, and that movie was awesome. Yeah, I, have it. I concur. Mm-hmm. Dread I is, recommend it. Dread is much better if you haven't seen The Raid yet, because it's like the same premise, except with Judge Dread. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen The and, Raid. And less, and less stabbing. <laughs> it, like, there was... like, like 1% of the stabbings <laughs> that are in The Raid. Well, there was people getting shot through the face. Which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, all the slow motion shots were pretty cool. I, I I did like that they they kept it like they do in the comic books. They don't take off his helmet, right? Just the way it's supposed to be. I am and, the love. Yeah, and and Carl <laughs> Man is perfect at that because as I've said before, he is Hollywood's finest scholar. 
<laughs> so you just need to see him like scowl, which which he does very well as as dread. So it's kind of fun, and it's got Cersei all drugged and cut up, and <laughs> so this was fun. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed watching it. It was kind of reminds me of the old eighty act, old eighties action movies where they just pull no punches and just show pure gore. And, uh, you know, there's no reason why, oh, you're a bad guy, you got to kill somebody. Oh, they just do it. Just shoot the guy. Who yeah, cares? There's no secret, like, giant corporation with a conspiracy. <laughs> if you're going to shoot, shoot. Like... Don't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's all the thing I got. Uh, Scott, Alex, Wade. Scott. Okay. A uh, couple quick things. Uh, let's see. Captain Tennille are no longer a thing. <laughs> yeah. They I filed for that. divorce after 39 years of marriage. I'm sure. I'm sure our audience, all ten or twelve of them, are going to be devastated. Well, you know what the inside scoop on that is. Yeah, I heard about no. this. Yeah, the captain is very sick, and he's probably going to die soon. So if they divorce, his the Tennille will not get the medical expenses that he's incurred. Ah, uh, Yeah, it's like a could be a mercy divorce, basically. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's She's on the market, boys. That, I, <laughs> I, I brought that up just because I thought it would be mildly amusing. And now I'm depressed. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of, of depressed, uh, apparently Quentin Tarantino has shelved his latest movie because the script got out. Uh, for yeah. the, the Hateful Eight this got out, movie. and he was he was super pissed. Um, you know, it, it offended his artist sensibilities. Not that I blame him. I mean, that would suck ass like to have your stuff get out like that. Um, but anyways, yeah, he's he's shelving it indefinitely. He's going to move on to whatever things floating around in his head, and that's too bad. I would have liked to have seen him do one more Western after... I mean, Kill Bill was pretty much a Western, and then, of course, Django Unchained. So to see this, The Hateful Eight, you know, maybe a, a take on The Magnificent Seven, uh, Tarantino style, would have been really fun. But it alas, would have been the same movie. He just added one more guy. And, and 12 more dialogue scenes where people sit around a table and talk for <laughs> half an hour. Mm-hmm. I, I love Jingo the first time I saw it. I tried to rewatch it. I couldn't finish it. It drags. It does, man. It's like, come on. Quentin is getting so self-indulgent these days. <laughs> he he is. Like, each one of his scenes, like as a standalone scene, you're like, awesome. And yeah. then you just string 15 of them in a row, and you're like, holy shit. I get it. You can write. Let's move on. <laughs> we got to wonder, because he didn't have uh, his editor anymore. Right. So you got to wonder. Going to if rein him in. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, the Django, I, yeah, I really liked it. Um, there's one thing that bugged me about it, though, was the the convoluted plan they come up with to get his get his wife back. Is the plan to get captured? Yeah, they didn't get captured, Scott. Almost. It's very close to that. When all they had to do was just go by her, I don't see why they had to go through all that. Well, he explains well, ex- why. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. They did. He explained why you can't do that because they'll never do it. I mean, they at least he kind of wrote. He tried to write himself out of that, answering that thing. Whether I believe it or not, just throw enough money at him, and I'm sure he would have said yeah. But he Anyways. did justify that. He did say why they couldn't do that. So okay. there, Scott. All right. Uh, so that's my my news. All right, Wade. All right. Well, one of my two news things was that Quentin Tarantino thing. So my other one, Scott. Ah, that's what you heard... get for stealing my yeah, exactly. saddles. <laughs> and then you've already heard my other one, but uh, for the other people and the thousands of listeners at home, I will also share another thing. So stay <laughs> with me on this one. Thousand. All right. All right. 
So, um, so recently they discovered that there was this network of computers that had sent out like 750,000 malicious emails. Well, this Skynet. network, this network of computers was composed mostly of smart appliances like smart TVs and other things and even like a smart refrigerator. So people's refrigerators and televisions were sending out malicious emails all over the world. So I don't know if ever any, any of you guys remember this movie called Runaway, a Tom Selleck movie from 1984 <laughs> starring Tom Selleck, Kirstie Alley, and Kisses Gene Simmons. And his and Gene, tongue. And his tongue. I don't ever think he actually sticks out his tongue. <laughs> he does. He does. It, it. He does? Okay. It stuck with me before I even knew who it was. <laughs> Like I, well, first time I saw it as a kid, I did not know yeah. who Gene Simmons was. Yeah, but and I remember thinking tongue. that he was a freaky-looking dude with a long tongue. Sorry, <laughs> okay, go. cool. Yeah, so he is the villain, and uh, in this futuristic world, he reprograms. Everybody's got like robot helpers in their homes, so somehow he reprograms people's robot helpers to assassinate them. And so Tom Selleck is this cop who has to stop him. So basically, we're now in, we're living in a world where we have to worry about what our our robot helpers, our smart devices are doing. So the future is now, and it's a Tom Selleck movie. So that's my news. At, at one point, basically, uh, the robot from uh, Rocky gets, gets a revolver. <laughs> gets a revolver, handsome. yeah. Somehow, this thing moves around so fucking slowly right. that you could just sidestep it, but it becomes this whole big thing where it and every kills time it, people. And... Before it shoots, it like it pulls the trick. It cocks it first, so it goes yeah. kick, then bang, <laughs> bang. It apparently got sent loose in like the quadriplegic ward of the hospital or something yeah. because, like, there's it would have been extremely easy for a trained like SWAT guy just run in there and and just grab the gun out of its pseudo hand or whatever. The best part of the movie, though, was the the, the heat-seeking bullets that Gene Simmons fires out of his gun. <laughs> the first-person heat-seeking yeah, bullets. Yeah, the first-person oh, bullet, bullet cam. Apparently, these bullets are going 30 miles an hour, just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. just barely catching up to these people running away from them, looking over their shoulder, turning down alleyways and stuff, trying to get away from them. But it was pretty intense in 1984, I will say. Yeah, and I just said that. I remember this movie. That's the one that also had like the spider robots that injected yes. people, right? Yeah. yeah, that was yeah. Once you stop, yeah, like acid or something, right? It wasn't. Yeah, even... inject acid into you. Yeah, Ugh, gross. <laughs> Selick. All right, Alex. Any right. news? Yeah, two tidbits. One uh, Scott reminded me was that uh, Pixar is more than likely to come out with a, a Star Wars movie, either uh, like an offshoot or a spinoff or something like that, but. It's pretty inevitable. Yeah, I mean, they, they own the property. Like, Disney owns Star Wars. They own Pixar. It pretty much makes sense, like you're saying, that they, they do a Star Wars spinoff or are you guys something in the IP. Are you guys thinking this, or have you guys have heard news about this? <laughs> no, there's uh, news about it. Yeah, there's okay. news. I don't know that it's, like, definitely going to happen, but it makes sense, you know? Unlike the Boba Fett thing, this is that not confirmed. Sense. This is plausible. Yeah. Neither is the Boba Fett. Anyway, continue. <laughs> and uh, the last bit is like, I just uh, read this today. I had no idea that they were making another uh, Alien game, but this one actually looks really freaking cool. Uh, it's called Alien Isolation. And it appears to be a um, a first-person horror survival game, kind of like in vain of the first Alien movie, except that in the game you probably won't be able to like pick up guns or anything. You'll only be able to like fight and pick up like that sonar thing to to try and detect where the aliens are. Is this just for the Wii U again? Uh, I'm not too sure. 
I don't know, but yeah, it it kind of feels like uh oh no, it's so it's going to be for all the next gen systems and the current gen systems too. But yeah, it seems like uh if you guys have heard or played uh Outlast, no. Nope. I've heard of it. I've seen yeah. bits and pieces in that game. You go into an insane asylum, and all you can do is like run and hide from the inmates while you're trying to escape. So I played through, yeah, that whole game, and that game was awesome. So if it's anything like that, this should be like a real treat for anybody that's a fan of the original Alien movie. Because you really is like once you see an alien, aren't you pretty much dead if you can't fight them though? Well, you can like they can't always you know see you. Newt did it. Well, she because she was hiding all the time, so she didn't see him. It was just. If playing a game as Newt would be staring at the inside of an air vent for 24 hours. <laughs> no, she went game's, out. Game's intense. <laughs> she had to go out from time to time. Just, just yeah. When, the when there was no, when there were no aliens around, so she never saw any. Because they come out at night. They mostly, mostly. <laughs> well, maybe if you're good enough at the game, you'll never see an alien. You'll just hear him and then go hide. Sounds like a boring video game. Yeah, that sounds pretty <laughs> awful. If they get the ambi- the ambiance and the music right. It should be pretty awesome. All right, is that your news? Yeah, that's my news. All right, that does it for the news. So time for the topic for next week, which is my decision. So, Scott, ask me how I came up with my decision. (laughs) Jeff, how did you come up with your decision? It wasn't easy. (laughs) Ah. All right, Big Trouble in Little China. I just want to talk about that one scene. It wasn't easy. And I guess you can go on favorite one-liners or favorite John Carpenter movies or whatever you want to do. But that's the topic for next week. <laughs> you go nuts. Talk about Kurt Russell movies. Talk about um, uh, Kim Cattrall movies. Um, <laughs> what, what the hell is Gracie Raw doing here? <laughs> it's an hour of talking about mannequin. <laughs> yeah. And sex in the city, I guess. I don't know. but um, That's what we're talking about next week. So that's it for this episode. I'd like to thank Wade for joining this week. Thanks, Wade. You're welcome. Thanks, Wade. You're welcome. <laughs> and um, that's it. See you guys next week. Bye. Later. Bye, guys. Night. Night. I don't know if I can turn this off. <laughs> it's still on. <laughs> you have to go into like your, you know, the little arrow. Okay, way down I got it. Okay, I'm close now. Okay, yeah. bye. Bye. <laughs>